It's conviction and power. We're going to be baptizing Henry, I believe, right? All the way in the corner, baptizing him in Jesus' name after service. If you've never been buried in the mighty name of the Lord, I encourage you to let us baptize you in that wonderful, wonderful name, the name of Jesus. We are so honored today to bring to this pulpit Brother Evangelist Duffy, his wife, is with us as well. They are from Indiana. They were with us two years ago, but I think I was gone somewhere out of the country or something. And so we are so thankful that we are able to be here while they are ministering to us. We heard wonderful things about that service, other churches that they are ministering in. And I know without a doubt, God has something for you and me today. Will you open your heart to the word of God as the man of God comes? Let's welcome him to the pulpit. God bless you, Brother Duffy. Glory to God. Thank you, Pastor Kyle. It's good to be with you today. God is truly good to us. Before you're seated, I just want to give a big thank you to everybody in this church. Pastor Kyle, Sister Kyle, thank you for all your great hospitality to us. And I know the church is behind it and all these guys fussing over me, taking care of me. I just love it. You guys are just like my wife. She takes care of me like that. Speaking of my wife, she travels with me. Brenda down here in the front, Brenda Duffy. So thankful to have her along for the ride. I don't know what this would be like doing it by myself. That would not be good. I like having somebody with me. That's nice. We have a daughter. She is in IBC right now. And uh, she's actually in Connecticut on spring break with a friend. So that's all being taken care of. But we're down here enjoying this beautiful weather <laughs> with all of you. Well, once again, I just, I just want to thank everybody for all their kindness and hospitality to us. Thank you very much. I do not take it for granted. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, you ready? All right. Let's do the Word of God. What do you say? If you have a Bible today, I have a tendency to be kind of expository. So that means I read a little bit and talk and read a little bit and talk and read a little, you know. I always see things I need to say as I'm reading, so I usually say them. So you may be seated. Otherwise, you might be standing a while. If you have your Bible today, I'd like to go to the book of Luke, chapter 6, and verse 46. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. As you're turning there, everybody join me right now. Let's pray for God to help us. In the name of Jesus, God, help us, Lord, in this place today. Open our understanding, God. Let us see with clarity, Lord. Let us have revelation in this room today. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it. Hallelujah. I believe that God needs to open our eyes in this day. 
like he has in every other generation. Every generation needs the revelation of God. Every revelation, or I'm sorry, every generation since, you know, Jesus and the apostles came through and then the putting together of Scripture and the bringing together of the Bible since all of this has come to pass and now we have the Scripture and we have it in many languages, you have to realize something that Scripture has to also have revelation. We know that to be true because Scripture is in the hands of false prophets and false teachers every day all around the world. So how in the world can the Scripture be handled by false prophets? Well, they just don't have the revelation of it. This is a whole lot more than just learning Scripture verses and memorization. It's far more than that. We need the revelation of Jesus Christ to sweep over our churches and to sweep over every church in this community. I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus that the revelation of Jesus Christ would sweep through everybody that's meeting today in this city. Hallelujah. The revelation of Jesus Christ can sweep a church. Oh, yes, it can. I believe with all my heart uh, that a minister today in a church somewhere can stand to a pulpit and all of a sudden the power of God can strike his mind and all of a sudden he begins to say, wait a minute, I've got something to say. I don't know where this came from, but I feel like something just got a hold of me. Don't sell it down the street, folks. God can move into any place that he wants to and bring revelation if there's a hungry and an open heart. We need the revelation of Jesus Christ in this room today. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Jesus. Come on in here, Lord Jesus, with your power. Jesus' name, touch our minds, Lord. Open somebody's understanding today. Hallelujah. My mind goes back to, I'll get to this. My mind goes back to the time when Jesus was walking with his disciples after his resurrection. And it says, I'm going to open, he says, I'm going to open your understanding. That's what was written by Luke. He said that he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. What was already written down. Oftentimes it's overlooked and oftentimes it's misunderstood. Oftentimes it's in the hands of somebody who is not equipped to be bringing it. But God, hallelujah, can bring revelation. Hallelujah. I pray for revelation today as we read this scripture. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. My guess is you found it by now. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. Can you see it? Jesus looks at him and he says, and why call ye me Lord, Lord? Why are you calling me your master? That's what Lord is. Why are you calling me your master? Does that sound like a dumb question? No, because we haven't finished it. He said, why are you calling me the master? You know what a master is? A master has ownership. Why are you calling me your master and you say, you own me? 
and do not the things which I say. That's the typical response. You may be seated. No, sit down, please. Trying to get to something here. You see, we have a problem. We like everything to go our way. And we like Jesus because he gives us loaves and fishes, and he heals, and he delivers, casts out demons, heals the sick, raises the dead, calms the waves. But he's got a question for me, and he's got a question for you. Why do you call me master? Why are you calling me your master? And you don't do what I'm telling you to do. Two years ago, Pastor, I was standing on a platform. I was a full-time assistant in a church, and I'd been there for a few years. And I was standing in a church, and I was back here on this side, just like this. And I was singing a song, and they put it on the overhead. You know how we do it. And I was singing along, and God asked me a question. He says, what are you singing about? I felt the impression. God doesn't talk to me audibly. I just get impressions, you know. Well, what are you singing about? I go, I don't really know. I've got this one memorized. I've sung it a thousand times. I know all four parts. I can sing all four parts. I typically jump around on all four parts as I sing this song, you know? Hey, I know it. God says, what does it say? Have you ever looked at the songs that you're singing? Have you ever looked at them? I surrender all. We sing it. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. No, you didn't. Lord, leave me alone. Let me sing. I surrender all. What a lovely voice. I surrender. Oh, wow, what a singer. Jesus says, wait a minute. Hold everything. Why do you call me Lord? Why do you say you have ownership? Why do you sing your songs? And you won't do what the Spirit instructs you to do. Why won't you follow my lead? Why? It's a whole lot easier to preach this message than it is to live it. It's a whole lot easier to take an hour of your time and talk about how we have to be obedient and it's another thing for me when I walk out the door that I got to live what I say. It's a whole lot easier for us to shout and say amen to a preacher. We can get through an hour, but boy, when the rubber meets the road out here, when the Holy Ghost is trying to get a hold of us, when we're driving in our car, when the Holy Ghost is trying to get a hold of us, when we're at work, we don't have time for that sometimes. We want everything to be beautiful and peachy and 
Rosie, and we want to be able to order God around and tell him, you get down here in this service right now, Jesus, and you heal this person. Come on now. Uh, come on, Lord, get down here right now and bless me. Uh, I need a blessing right now. I don't have the money for rent. Will you get down here and bless me right now? Come on, get on down here and bless me. And we yell and holler and scream at God and have our prayer meetings. And all the while, God's saying, you haven't heard a word I said. You're just memorizing your songs and singing your songs and talking about surrender and talking about freedom. But you're bound. You're bound. Why don't you start singing about your bondage? Oh, but preacher, I like it this way. I, I much, I much rather just pretend. I'd much rather to pretend than I would to fall on my face, prostrate before God, and say, God, I have got to get rid of this stinking flesh. I've got to get myself under control. Nobody else is going to get me under control. God, I've got to get myself under control and surrender. So he says, why do you call me? Can you see Jesus looking at him? I don't know whether you appointed or not, but he says, why are you calling me your Lord? Why am I your master? And you don't do the things that I say. Next verse, these, this little story right here is so powerful. I didn't always understand it. I thank God for understanding today. I didn't always understand this story. I've heard it since I was a child. Jesus said, whosoever cometh to me, see it? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man that built a house and dig deep, dig deep, dig deep, laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood came and the, and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. The book of Hebrews says, this kingdom of God cannot be shaken. You cannot destroy what God has put together. You cannot destroy the church of the living God. You cannot destroy a child of God. But there's a catch to all this. There really is a big catch. Verse 49. But he that heareth and doeth not, is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently, and what? Immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. I noticed something in this story. Everything is the same. Somebody might say, oh, no, it's not. Yes, everything is the same, really, in the story. Jesus said, I give my word to both. So everything's the same as far as God is concerned. 
They both heard. They both had the word. Let's transfer it to us. I go to church. I sing my songs. I got them memorized. I, I, know, I know when pastors gets in a certain way that I better say, hey, man, because if I don't, something's fixing to happen. When Brother Duffy starts to raise his voice, you better say, amen. Otherwise, he's going to pop his neck. You know, we've got this down, folks. We've got this down. And Jesus wants to speak to us today like he did to me a few years ago on the platform. I was on that platform, and God really started to talk to me. And he says, you know, you've preached and you've taught for years about the Pharisees, how they were pretentious, how they had a form of godliness, how they had everything together as what they tried to portray. They tried to portray that everything was together. But Jesus saw the inside of my heart that day, and he says, all you're doing is pretending. Now that's what he said to me. What are you going to do, Brother Duffy, about your pretentiousness, your show? You're not really clapping. You're just mimicking like you're a little infant. You're like a little child that just reads words and memorizes words and doesn't know yet the depth. What's wrong with you, Brother Duffy? All you're doing is going through the motions. You know where to go on Sunday, and you know where to go on Wednesday, and you know how to act when you get there. You know when you cross the threshold of the building, you're supposed to go, well, glory to God. And you sound different. You talk different. You go through the motions. You show everybody how spiritual you are. And Jesus was getting on my case, standing on the platform, Pastor Kyle. I was going, Lord, you're wilting me right here. He goes, you need to be wilted. You need to get a hold of really what you're talking about, really what you're doing. And, folks, I'm afraid in the hour, this day that we live, we've got this thing mostly into a spectator thing going on. It's just going through the motions. There's got to be something that happens to us today that we don't walk out of this building and then switch off how we're supposed to act. But the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost is really on us. It's like rivers of living water in our community. You know what Jesus taught he said the Holy Ghost, when it comes, it's not going to run over you. It's going to be in you. It's going to be like a well of water springing up to everlasting life. It's going to be like rivers of living water. It's the same thing. You've had my word. And God wants to speak to us today. I've talked to you, I've talked to you, I've talked to you, I've talked to you. I've often wondered how many times I've actually heard the same subject. 
I got the Holy Ghost at nine. I'm the same age as your pastor, 56. I've been around this all that time. I'd like to know how many messages I've heard about submission and surrender. I've probably said amen thousands of times to things I knew I was supposed to say amen to. And man, and man, steward, and man, when you're sitting on the platform, you really got to do it right. You got to say yes at the appropriate time. Amen. Got to throw your hand up. Let's just rest right here. This parable about where you build wasn't about the Word of God only. This parable that Jesus taught was not about preaching the word. That's not his point. His point is, did you obey it? The wise man was the obedient one. The foolish man was the disobedient. Do you realize what disobedient means? We better wait. Because it's easy just to throw that word. What does disobedient mean? That means you reject instruction. It's not ignorance. It's a rejection of instruction. Jesus is saying to me and you, if you are going to follow me, you have to deny yourself. Disown yourself. Take up your cross. Self-selected death. And follow me. Jesus is trying to get a hold of us in this day. He is wanting me to share with you something that is very important to his heart right now. Jesus is saying, I am tired of being ordered around in your church services. I'm tired of you assembling when you want to assemble and then you tell me what has to happen while you're together. I am tired of being ordered around. I am not your bellboy. I am your Savior. I purchased you with my own blood. It wasn't your blood. It wasn't your sacrifice. It was my sacrifice. I did it so you wouldn't have to live eternally lost. Is there anybody that wants to say, Lord, I am so sorry about ordering you around. It's about time that I start listening and saying, Lord, what do you want to do with my life? Lord, what do you want to do with this church? 
God, what do you want to do with my life? Is there anybody here today that's willing to reverse this and say, God, I'm going to cut my demands and I'm going to start listening? You know why it's so hard to pray? It's because we've got God as a bellboy or as a servant of us. And you know what? He loves to serve us. That's not the point in the context of what he's speaking to us. He has already served us. And he will always flow to the obedient ones. This parable is not just about the word of God, because they both had it, but not both obeyed. One disobeyed. That means this. I heard you, but I'm not going to do it. How long have we listened to God? How many years have you asked us to stop, to start? That's really what it boils down to with God. Stop it or start it, I've learned. Stop it or start it. You started something, continue it. A lot of people like confusing things, and they like big flow charts. And, you know, they li- I like simplicity because it works so much better that way. Do you realize how brilliant Jesus is? Do you realize how brilliant he is? He's the word of God made flesh. He is God with us. Have you ever heard anybody say, Pastor, I don't know what the will of God is for my life. How in the world can you say that? You know what you just said to Jesus? You don't know what you're doing. Do you think Jesus doesn't lead us? There are some of us today that are fixing to have a moment with God. I'm serious. There's something brewing in this house. There are some folks that are going to have a moment with Jesus where you say, Lord, I, I see now. I'm tired, Lord, of just going through the motions here. I'm tired of just memorizing songs on a screen. God, I want to have it come out of my heart. I want to be obedient. So many times, Jesus has spoken to us, and we struggle with prayer. Have you ever noticed how prayer goes sometimes. All right, let's all let's all gather together. Sometimes pastor will call it or somebody will call a prayer meeting and everybody gets in the room and you, ever, you notice how difficult it sometimes can be. It's usually not bad at first because we have our memorized, five memorized lines of prayer for prayer meeting. God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I love you. Man, you're awesome. Man, you're awesome. How you doing? How you doing? You know, we go through our five things that we know how to say. And we say them fervently and we get going. 
and about the time we start to feel the Holy Ghost. It says, I've been meaning to talk to you about something. And then we go, looky there, looky there. Did I feel that thing buzz or is there a phantom buzz? What is, I'll check this again. It's so hard. Because he wants to instruct us. He's not waiting for us to instruct him. TV preachers for the past 30 years have made Jesus into a bellboy. And you're a fool if you don't get what you want when you ask for it. What a serious problem we have developed in our world through that nonsense. That we just demand God do this and God do that. Wait a minute. God, I humbly come before you. That's the attitude we need to adopt. I already know you're going to take care of me. I already know you're going to bless me. I already know your church is blessed. I already know your way is blessed. I just need to make sure I'm in it. I just need to make sure I'm in the will of God. I just need to make sure I'm doing what you've asked me to do. The power of positive thinking did not come from the church. It came from the world. Let me share something with you that's very important. Some people say power of positive thinking is what makes everything work in the church. No, it isn't. Not at all. Because if Jesus has to say to me, stop it, that's not very positive. And so some people never hear God because they don't think he says Stop it. They only think he says what they want to hear. That's what's going on. Pastor, I'm moving. You are? Yes, and it's God's will because I asked him, and 15 different things fell into place. Well, I know a lot of drug dealers that everything falls in place. And they got a lot of money. And they, everything falls in place. And they don't get caught. Don't think for a moment that Jesus just tells you everything you want to hear and everything you dream up. Come on, somebody. Get a hold of yourself. Say to Jesus, Lord, if I'm wrong, you go ahead and tell me. I don't want to walk. I don't want to build that house without your word being obeyed. I don't want to build a house that's going to collapse. There's going to be a bunch of calamity. There's going to be a bunch of houses fall unless somebody says, Lord, if you tell me to stop, I'm going to stop. Church, families, people's lives would all turn around if we said, Jesus, you're speaking to me. And if you say no, then the answer is no. And I'm going to walk on with you. And I'm going to thank you that the answer is no. Because you know the way that I take. 
You know the path that I need to get on. Let's stand across this building today. Is there anybody here today that's feeling the tug? Let's stand together, please. Is there anybody here that's feeling the tug of the Holy Ghost and the Word? of God upon your life. Is there anybody here today that says, wait a minute, Lord, I'm not just going to demand that you tell me what I want to hear. I want to hear what you've got to say to me. I'll guarantee you something today. North America is struggling with this concept that I brought to you today. Church after church, Pastor, we're struggling. All of us are. I'll just admit it. We're all struggling because we've heard so many things for so long. It's all about getting God to do what we want Him to do. And oftentimes, people, when they make decisions, all they do is walk around and they ask 10 or 12 people what they think. I remember a guy many years ago, he came to me at a very pressing family crisis and he said hey I want to ask you something I go okay I mean he opened the door right he said I want to ask you something I want to know what your opinion is and so he laid it out it's a very serious thing and he laid it out for me and he said what do you think I looked at him and I said how's your tally going you know what a tally is where you make little marks he goes, what do you mean tally? I said, how many pros and how many cons have you had as you presented this to other people? He looked at me sheepishly and said, well, I've had a few say this and I've had a few say that. I said, are you going to base your opinion on a bunch of tally marks? Or are you going to get a hold of God and find out what he wants? When's the last time God corrected you and you did what he asked? Now there's where the shout should be. Church, come on. See, I'm drumming it up. Shame on me. You get my point, don't you? I think when we preach this way and we talk about this, church ought to be flipped the other way. Instead of everybody shouting about that, they shout about God's correction. The book of Hebrews says, whom I love, I chasten. Man, I've had some spankings from God. He's had me in the corner so many times. He's had me spanked. I'll go ahead and confess something way, way back when I was in my teens. I was purchasing something that I shouldn't have been purchasing. I laid it on the counter, and I'm serious. God knows how to find you wherever you are. Oh, my pastor. This is embarrassing, but I'm telling it. I stood there with my merchandise that I shouldn't even be having in front of, and the lady at the cash register looked at me, and she said, young man, you don't look like the kind of guy that should have this. I didn't know her from Adam. But I have a feeling that God let the Holy Ghost kind of come out. Somebody might say, yeah, yeah, I'm telling you. 
God used that woman to speak to me. How embarrassing can it be? But folks, I'm going to tell you, you talk about a spanking, but it sure did me a lot of good. And folks, some of us need to learn how to take a good correction from God. If he's saying stop it, then let's stop it. Hallelujah. I believe with all my heart in North America, Pastor, that over the next little while, this thing that I'm talking about right here is going to catch on. People are going to start to say, wait a minute. I'm going to start doing everything that Jesus says, and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in our churches. The power of God is going to sweep our churches. There's going to be chronic health problems in our churches that are going to go away. There's going to be a real communion in the church, a real participation, a real partnership with Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here that hungers and thirsts for not just a routine, but to have a real walk with God that you know, that you know, that you're in the will of God? Come and pray, would you? Come and pray if you feel like it. Come and pray. Pray with somebody today. As these singers sing, I want you to just pray and ask God to help you hear the correction today. Because the blessing is always on people that obey. You know, the house can look the same. You can build a house and it can look the same. I remember a Bob Evans that they planned to build in our area. They built a Bob Evans. I don't know whether you guys know what that is, but it's a, it's a restaurant. They built them all over. You know what? They built it. It looked just like every other one. But when they went to open it, it had already sunk about five inches. And you couldn't even open the doors anymore. They had to tear it all down. You guys, seriously. They had to tear the entire structure down. And then they brought in pylons. And they drove them. And they drove them. And they drove them. And they drove them. And there was a guy in town. He said with every sound of that boom, he goes, I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. I told them not to build there without pylons. They drove them down until they hit the rock, the firmness. And then they cut them off and built the building. It's still standing today, no problem. Your building, your house may look just like everybody else's, but you better beware of what you build on. Everybody said, well, build on the word. No, build on obedience to the word because they both had the word they both had the word is there a lot of husbands and wives standing by each other I kind of sense that as I look around grab your wife's hand husband's hand I heard just a little bit of pastors talk today or preaching and when he was